Folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. You know, you know, you've been hearing this. It's quick, it's easy. You can get in any game or show and get it, it's time. It's time to act, people, because now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do you download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store, you click on the My Tickets section create an account under the billing section redeem the code the athletic once again that's the athletic it's all one word ten dollars off your first purchase it's free money but the credit is only available to the first 1000 people who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year we're counting down you got to do it it's december 31st 2019 so make moves quick and score last minute tickets Welcome to our first off-season edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Dieter Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Happy off-season and happy new year, Jay. We made it. We finally we made it. Looks like we made it. <laughs> no, I, I, it's a terrible way to start. It's a terrible way. Don't turn, don't turn the podcast off, people. Listen, I swear, it's not, I'm not going to sing anymore. Uh, At least not Shania. I know. What a, I'm happy that we can leave that in 2019 as we record this before New Year's uh, and, and move forward in it to a Shania-less 2020. Um, it, there, you know, we. I'm excited. I feel like here's what happens. You know, as someone who over many years of doing a Bengals podcast has tracked the numbers pretty closely, um, this is what happens. The everyone's really on board until they officially start giving up on the season, and it's a, this each season that line of demarcation is different. This one was fairly early, and the numbers dip to people that are just waiting for the off season. As soon as the off season starts, boom, everybody's back. So welcome back, everybody. It's good to have all our listeners who gave up on the season back as we talk about the real season, the new season, the most important season, and that is the off season uh, for the Bengals as they try to hit the hard reset on this roster, analyze their coaching staff, figure out if they're going to dive into free agency, and of course, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. I want to get a bunch of those out there. Can they unseat the Browns as the off season juggernaut? I mean, no. I mean, the Browns are the off. The Browns are the Patriots of the off season. They, the un, they, they all they do is win division titles every off season, and then fire everybody. Can, can anybody be more impossibly repetitive than the Browns? Like, how does the same thing happen every single year? Here's a great nugget. Here's here's an, just an absolute great nugget. Since Jimmy and D Haslam took over the Browns. You know who the longest tenured coach is? I have a feeling. Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Hugh Jackson. All one in 31 of them. How many Hugh games Jackson. did he win total there? Uh, he... Three? Three? Jeez. They... Yeah. <laughs> the longest tenured coach is Hugh Jackson. Because they have another scapegoat in Freddie Kitchens. But this is not about the Browns' problems. The Bengals have plenty of their own. And we're going to dive into that. We want to talk about who stays, who goes, who's traded, who's added, 
Who's holding out? Joe Mixon. Jay's going to have some serious stats. So, and they're kind of good. Not sad. You're really starting an off-season turnover new leaf with these stats. It's my New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution, not so many sad stats. Um, we have our last growler bet winner of the season. Uh, and uh, we'll, of course, run past our boot. We've got to run past our boot. This is Hear That Podcast Growling. All of that and more as the Bengals attack the offseason. Locker cleanout day was Monday, so that's it. Players don't come back until April. Uh, coaching staff basically will take this week and be sort of doing a week-long debrief. And while it's all fresh in their mind, going through what everyone thinks that they need, how they need to acquire it, will sort of be the next task after that. We'll find out if there will be any alterations to the coaching staff. I expect very few. Maybe some. Maybe a tinkering. And we do have, you know, some guys who can go. Um, the Mobile 7, um, you know, in that mix. Um, all the holdovers. I would expect someone like Braden Combs, who is Darren Simmons' assistant on that special teams group that finished number one in DVOA this year, to get some love. For a possible coordinator position somewhere, um, you know, outside of that, I don't know that you'll have any promotions uh, or, or guys getting promotions across the league. I, I, you know, when you go two and fourteen, that's a, that's a tough sell. <laughs> but this, but Bengals special teams are so good, and, and Braden's been on the cusp for a while. I think that he might be next. But outside of that, I, I think you'll see most of the staff back. It's kind of my my gut on that. Potentially, maybe a change at linebacker. Maybe you see Mark Duffner, who was sort of a defensive consultant and has a history with linebackers and been a DC before a lot of years in the league, taking over at linebackers for Tim Lukabu, who um, you know the linebacker group is gonna is, is under the microscope there for not really showing enough progress or anything. Uh, maybe that's something. Um, but I, again, I, I don't, people looking for major, you know, fire Lou, fire Brian Gallon, fire Zach, none of that, that stuff's not happening. No. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Darren Simmons. Um, you know, Bill Belichick making all those overtures toward what a great coach <laughs> he is. Um, yeah. And he is, he's well respected. It's not just Belichick. It's, it's across the league. And as good as he is, as good as the special teams were this year, he he is not Zach's guy. He was one of the Mobile Seven, one of the holdovers. Um, I think he's going to have options elsewhere. I don't know. It, it, he just that this you know outside of of Lou, Jim Turner, it's, it's a really young staff, and uh, Darren just doesn't doesn't seem like he fits that group. I, I I don't know. I'm not saying they don't get along or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but I just I just wonder if maybe his his time has run its course in Cincinnati, um, but he he's still got kids in high school. So that, uh, yeah, he got kids in high school. I can't imagine letting him go. No, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean they were you know so what I mean? good I mean, he's this been, year. He's been here so long. He was the one really great coach this year. I mean, he was our coach of the year in our in our uh, awards. Which if you want to go through our best and worst, a lot of worse in there. Um, but among the best of our, our assistant coach of the year, it was, that's a, I mean, it was the, the most slam dunk, easiest pick of ever, any, uh, high or low that we gave out. Yeah. There was, that, that, there was no debate on that one whatsoever. But I, yeah, I just don't know. I, I, if, if he wants to go somewhere else, uh, he certainly will have opportunities, but 
you're right. He's he's about as best there is in the business. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see because no matter how good guys are, coaches always like to have their guys. That was that was one of the big thing. With you look at who Zach brought in, it was guys he had relationships with, and um, I don't know. It's just an interesting dynamic. I'm, I'm, that's the, the the one position I'm most interested to see what happens. I would agree, and I would say this: I, I for him would really like to see what Darren Simmons as a head coach looks like somewhere, even if it's yes. on the college level. I, you know, we we watch what John Harbaugh has done as a special teams coordinator, become head coach. In, in in Baltimore, and he's been one of the best coaches in the league for a long time. And I see, you know, I think Darren could follow along that same path. He's, you know, because he just comes up in special teams, he never gets as much as a look. But, you know, those are the guys that deal with absolutely everybody on both sides of the ball, every coach. You're the most like a head coach if you're a special teams coordinator. Um and it's just, it comes down to your ability to delegate and hire the right people. And this guy's as, as connected as anybody. He's been in the league and as well respected as anybody for years. I, you know, I, I would love to see, I don't know if we're ever going to see that just because, I mean, there's a lot of great special teams coordinators that have never made the leap that J- John Harbaugh did not spark some trend. But, um, anyway, I, but that'll be the one to watch. You're right. I don't want to bog this whole thing down, uh, yeah. you know, talking about Darren Simmons and, and whatever, but I think that, um, yeah, I, it's we'll, we'll be watching that, and at some point, I you would like to see Darren get get a shot somewhere. Let's start talking about players. Um, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. The expectations are for a, a hard roster reset, and there is a year that has gone by where nobody on this staff and. You know, Zach Taylor, Callahan, Anarumo, all these guys really knew what they were getting themselves into personnel-wise. It would be impossible to do so. Uh, By the way, look around the league on uh, first-year coaches this year. How'd that turn out? (laughs) Matt LaFleur and everybody else on the struggle bus. Although Brian Flores gets some credit for... Yeah, no doubt. They tried to tank and... He won five games and beat the Patriots in New England in Week 17 when they they were when playing they had for a something bye. on the line. Exactly. I know. How about that? You know, credit him. Absolutely credit. Him. But he still only won five games. I mean, right. even, now I'm just I'm just saying you you inherit you inherit a team with problems that got rid of their former guy for a reason, and you figure out who everybody is. Year two is the turning point year. You know, year one. We said this in the beginning. Year one would be judged by progress. You hoped you would you would start at a higher foundation, um, and they didn't, and it was a massive disastrous disappointment in that way, where it started compared to where it ended. But I do think you did see progress in some spots, you know, and we'll detail some of those later on in some of the numbers. But you know, we talk about the running game, even the defense, I mean, everything really for the most part w- was better and i and i thought situationally as far as game management um i thought the approach that they took with Zach Taylor and Dan Pitcher pretty much as just an overseer of all situational stuff i thought they were pretty good i mean how often every game we were talking about some way that Marvin botched game management mm-hmm. I, I can't think of 
hardly any. We talked mostly about how they took advantage of situations, whether it be through timeouts before the half or end of game stuff. I mean, you had problems with play calls and you had problems with execution. But as far as like actual game management situations, you know, occasionally you'd have a fourth down you thought they should go for, but they were mostly aggressive. The one that they didn't go for paid off the most for them in their win when they pinned them back in the wind against the Jets. Uh, but you know, anyway, you know, all of that, I thought you saw progress and, and some stability in for the, even though you're two and 15. Um, but now comes the hard part of gutting the guys that weren't playing hard for you, that weren't doing things the right way, that weren't the players you thought or hoped they might be. And then finding players that can come in and be that. And this organization has not been good at that and and stayed out of that for a while. And that's why it's going to be a truly fascinating offseason because I think you're going to see this franchise trying to maneuver through some waters they don't like to be in and traditionally have not been great at being in. And they've they've got 23 guys that are – in the that are going to be free agents, whether it be unrestricted or restricted or exclusive rights free agents, and I I only see maybe two or three on there that seem like no brainers to to bring back, and they're not they're not difference makers. They're just maybe Brandon Wilson you would consider a, a difference maker with the way he, he returned kicks, um, but other than that, there's a lot of lot of question marks um, just. Just in that regard alone, it, it's, it could be a total roster rip-up. Um, and then you've got guys that are under contract that we're going to get into. Uh, the, the Andy Daltons, the AJ – well, AJ, he's not under contract, but he will be under the tag. Um, Cordy, Dre, there, there's a bunch of other guys that could be going elsewhere, uh, even though they're under contract. So it it could be more than a 50% change from last year's opening 53-man roster to next year's 53-man roster. You're right. Let's go. You, you touched on something where it's a good place to start. Free agents. So you said only a couple. Who do you see as the guys that you think will be back? And we can kind of talk through this a little bit. All right. I, I've got them. The, Brandon Wilson, I think, is a guy that they bring back. He's it, he's restricted free agent. Yeah. It, it's going to be a very affordable. Uh, yeah, he's just an, R, he's just an RFA, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. And so same he, with Josh Tupo. Should be easy enough. Yeah, and Josh, and Seth and Carter and also Seaton. an RFA. And Tony McRae is an RFA. Um, I don't know if he'll get an offer. But I mean, I was Tupo and Wilson. You're right. I think that's probably where RFAs start. Yeah, and then I think Seathan, He's just so valuable uh, on special teams, and uh, he, he he got some run. I mean, he got the touchdown pass against New England. Um, I, I think he's a guy that that, that they will bring back. Uh, one other one that uh, Trayvon Henderson, um, I, I'm not sure about. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, I don't know if they'll extend an offer to him. But then when when you get into, I don't know if you want to like discuss any of these guys. But yeah, you, let's you go get through into, it. Um, a guy, an unrestricted free agent like Clayton Fedulum. I think that's a really interesting because if you bring in Brandon Wilson back, that's that's you know he he's not just a kick returner. He was playing pretty well on on defense at safety as well. But Fedge is so good on special teams, and you know, seventh round pick. He hasn't done a lot on defense. I don't. I don't think there's going to be a lot of other teams out there banging on his door. I, I could see them bringing him back as well. See, here's here's the thing with Fedge. 
I find it interesting that they didn't come to terms with him because I thought he was a no-brainer for an extension like they gave to, you know, one of the smaller pieces mm-hmm. in recent years, the Ericsons, the Bullocks. The, I mean, we've seen, we saw these happen kind of in season. And I thought that was going to be an easy one. You know, the best special teamer, they have one of the best special teamers in the league. But look, Clayton Fedgelin wants to be playing some safety. And yeah. they have not done that for him. They have put Brandon Wilson ahead of him. I would not be stunned if Clayton Federalum was like, I want to test the market and I want to see some team that wants a special teams ace. Those guys are out there and is willing to give me some love to play a little safety in this league because the safety he has played, I think you can argue hasn't been half bad. And it's one thing if he's here and he's the third safety. It's a different thing than he's here and he's the fourth safety. And, and so, you know, I think that's going to be interesting to see if they can bring him back. And this is, he's a small piece, but I mean, on special teams, he's arguably the best, one of the best special teamers in the league. I, you could call him the best potentially. I mean, as good as he's been and he's known that way, that would be a hit to Darren Simmons and his crew. Um, so anyway, I, but when you get into like, you know, Fedge, Darquez Denard, Nick yeah. Vigil, I mean, those two, Darquez is a, is kind of a fascinating case because he went out last year and I think expected to potentially be paid like an outside corner. We know what happened. There, it wasn't there. There was no interest. He came back this year on this discounted deal and for half a season I thought sailed them down. I thought played pretty well. But if you watch the injury reports during the week, you know, resting during the week, Mm-hmm. You know, un, unable to practice every day because, you know, I think all these injuries he's had throughout his career, I do think have caught up with him. And that was part of why he went on, uh, went on PUP, uh, to start the season or whatever he was on. I forget what he was on. Yeah. It was um, yeah. It, because, you know, they're like, I, well, they didn't know if he was going to be able to get himself healthy in time because, I think he just really was struggling with stuff. A full off season, maybe you have a little bit help of him coming back, but he's, you know, I I think he's a stabilizing, smart player out there, and you can potentially bring him back. But to think that he's going to go out and get some huge contract, I don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah, but you wonder. I mean, it is. It's kind of like the Fedulum situation where maybe it's not a huge contract, but maybe he doesn't want to be here you that conversation you had with him at the beginning of the year where he was really kind of upset that that they even put him on pup to start the year and, and we know there was some hard feelings with the negotiations last year maybe he's a guy that says uh, thanks but no thanks i'm, I'm going to test the market and, and take the best off well, he, he can get te- else. he tried that but he tried well, that's just it I but mean, he, he wanted tested the market money. and then and then no one was there he went into the market and the, and the shelves were empty but i think yeah he may be willing to take less this year just to get a chance to, you know, go to a different organization. Obviously, Bengals aren't winning. Uh, There's been two – there's been a contract negotiation he wasn't happy with, and there was a coaching decision he wasn't happy with. So maybe he is willing to this – at this point to come to the realization that, hey, the the big outside corner money's not out there for me. Uh, I just want to go win somewhere. Going to be 29 years old. Clock clock a ticking on a guy who's, you know, you know – that that will be interesting, but that'll be further down the line. That won't be in the first couple of waves. Um, you know, uh, Nick Vigil, I think will probably, I think inevitably, 
maybe somebody takes a shot at Nick Vigil, but I think inevitably he ends up being somebody that goes out, doesn't have much out there, maybe comes back for a, a cheaper one-year prove-it here. Um, I think they were comfortable with the way he played once once Preston Brown left yeah. and and felt like you know they saw more of the Nick Vigil they expected to. I don't think they can base everything around him, but he could come back and be a part for you, a third or a fourth linebacker in that room. And I think you're happy with that if that's who he is. Um, let's talk, um, tradable pieces because that's kind of the basis of the RF of the free, free agents. Um, and, and uh, you know, some of the guys we didn't mention, I think are gone. Tyler Eifert, yeah. I, I think will be gone. Um, I'm trying to think anybody. Oh, Andrew Billings. He's, yeah. Um, he's an interesting one. Sorry. I talked I, to I, him I, after I, the game. Yeah, um, please. About that. And he, he said he, he really thinks they've got something building here. He's excited about the way things kind of came together at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, I asked him if he wanted to be here next year, and, and he said he does, but it's a business and there's things going on that he doesn't even know about, and he's just going to wait and see. He, he didn't he didn't fully commit that, that he wanted to be here, and I do think he's a guy that that is going to get offers elsewhere. Um, and, and they – They've got Tupo, they've got Ren, they've got Gino. They, I mean, I don't know how much they want to sink in to, to that defensive tackle position, but they they really played well. The defensive tackles. Um, if you had to pick a position group uh, that that really kind of stood out, I mean, yeah, it sounds funny because they finished last in the league in run defense, but that was a lot of that was on the linebackers and, and corners that couldn't tackle on the edge. Um, that that big jumbo um, set where they had three defensive tackles in there, they really seemed to find something there. And I don't know, Billings, he, he played well enough. I think other teams are going to come after him and, and, and give him not a break the bank deal, but I think he's he's going to get paid this off season. And not sure if if the Bengals are, are going to be willing to match any of that. Yeah, I think he's going to get more than people anticipate. I think the market frame will be pretty good. I think at the trade deadline, he was one of the pieces that teams were most interested in, kind of to my surprise. Um, and that should tell you something. And he's young. I mean, he's a young guy. He's 24. Uh, he's, he's starting to come into his own. There's a couple other things at play here. You mentioned Tupo. I, I, I think Tupo played almost as good, probably about the same as Billings. I think they have a same level. I think it's great to have two of them. I'm nervous about Rennell Wren's injury. I don't know what that enough about that other than it was the hip and the, the, it was mentioned in the same vein as what Tua has a little bit, maybe not as serious, but in that same area of concern in the hip. I, I don't know enough about that. And if I knew more about Ren's injury, I'd be more comfortable saying, I'll turn it over to Ren and Tupo. But you know, you're out there, you're running that three, four a lot with the three D, t- D tackles. You want depth at the position. You have a bunch of money potentially to play with. You like rewarding your own guys. He seems one that I would be aggressive with and, and that I would start pretty high with in, in as far as, um, you know, focusing my free Bengals free agency with. So that'll be a really interesting one to watch as well. Um, let's get into tradable pieces. Um, I, I kind of have this. I have a list of about six guys in here, and some of them are more likely than others. 
I'll start with the most likely, and that's Andy Dalton. It's no secret. Mm-hmm. Dalton's going to get dealt for something to somebody. We have talked endlessly about that. I, I We have lots of offseason to talk about that. I can't get into it too much more uh, than we already have, So, and we have a lot of other people to talk about. So I'll just say I expect Dalton to be traded. If there's some sort of eating some of that $17 million, maybe they do. There's a chance they just let him go and just take the cap space essentially. But I would think somebody would be willing to give you, you know, I, I think it ends up in the third to fifth round, um, depending on how much, if any, the Bengals will eat of his $17 million for next year. Um, Chicago, Indianapolis, um, there's a lot of teams out there that could be potential trade partners, Carolina, you name it. Um, AJ Green. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think he'll be traded. Um, I, I just don't, I think they want him to play here and I think they'll tag him and try to get a deal done. I think we'll be talking about this sadly against my, against what I feel like is the best thing. I think we'll be talking about this till the July 15th deadline. And then we'll be wondering if he'll sign it and we we'll wondering if he'll come into training camp. This feels like something that's just going to end up dragging on again. The last thing that they need, but I, you know, I think they're going to try to get a deal done. And this, either the front office is going to have to come into terms with the risk of playing through injury, or AJ is going to have to come to terms with the fact that he might have to play for a year on this thing. I mean, everybody, the the other teams have the Bengals over a barrel here because they're they they know what situation they're in. You know, Andy Dalton, same way. They know the Bengals are going to go with Joe Burrow. They're desperate to trade Andy Dalton. They're not going to get good value, like you said. They're going to have to. They're going to have to eat a good portion of that con- or some of that contract. And it's the same thing with AJ Green. No one is going to. No one's going to want to pay a guy that's played one game in the last. Was it been twenty four, eighteen million dollars um, for for one year? Or I can't imagine another team's going to want to do a, a trade and and sign and, and give him a long-term deal without seeing him first. It, it, you, that, that's exactly right. The, the Bengals are going to have to come to terms with the risk. And it, it, it feels like, it almost feels like they have to do it. I, I don't know how AJ is going to react next year. Um, he, the, the way he, he kind of handled this year makes you worry about that. But, but on the other hand, I mean, think about the way this offense turned around. Um, after the buy, after the, you know the story you wrote about ripping up the running game and and how much better they were down the stretch, and then all of a sudden it's almost like you're adding three first round picks because you didn't have AJ Green at all this year. You add him to the mix. You had Jonah Williams in the mix, and you had Joe Burrow to the mix. I mean, this offense could could turn around in a flash if you bring that guy back, but it's just a matter of where his head's going to be if they don't come to that long-term deal he said he'd play on the he did say he would play on the tag he, but at some point he has to play how, football right like, how I, happy I, is he going to be and that's you know exactly you're, you're, is he, you're going to have maybe what do you want do you want some frustrated i'll play but i won't be super thrilled about it maybe i'll be kind of whatever um you, you know an injury comes and maybe i'll start with being uh you know milking it again or whatever i mean that or are you gonna 
pay a guy a bunch of money and take the chance that he's not right. Yeah. That he that that these injuries have been more serious and taken that taken a step or two away from him and he's half the man. Half the man he used to be. I won't sing it. I won't <laughs> sing it. Not singing. <laughs> I wanted to. I did. I started to in my own head. I started to sing. I'm surprised you know a Stone Temple Pilots reference. I love Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, Stone okay. Temple Pilots and Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam are two of, are two of my like top 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 from the '90s. I'm a big STP guy. Actually, I actually at first liked STP more. Uh, and Scott Weiland went a little, you know, it happens. All right, dude. Okay, so that's that's that. We'll move on from that. Another guy that I've been asked a lot about. Um, since I sort of tweeted about this uh, after the Trey Hopkins extension, which congratulations, Trey Hopkins. You know, we talked about him on the last podcast about, uh, you know, in the conversation for this team's core going forward. And that was apparent as they rewarded him before the season ended uh, with a contract extension. He's going to be the center for the long-term future. Super smart guy, stabilizing force on the line. You know, he's not like the high-end Travis Frederick athletic profile um, but man, he's smart. He understands everything out there. He's not going to kill you. He's going to, he's going to make all the right calls. He's going to get to the spots. He was really, a, um, a kind of a revelation in the way that he helped transform the running game this year, his ability to pull. They just, he, he turned out to be everything that you would want uh, out of a player and everything they wanted. So they rewarded him. The question immediately goes to Billy Price. You know, they drafted a guy to be everything I just said about Trey Hopkins in the first round. And so what happens next? Here's what I've seen. And the team, it, it, the tape says it loud and clear. Billy Price is not an NFL guard. No. You can tell me all you want to about all the guard he played at Ohio State. Uh, the tape doesn't lie, man. He can't play guard. He hasn't been able to. So he's a center. And I, and I think he could probably play center in this league. I think he's a starting center in this league, potentially. I think he got beat out by somebody who was better fit here. Somebody needs a center. Lots of teams need a center. Offensive line is as underserved as anywhere in this league. And the Bengals have somebody. How much are you going to pay a backup center who can't play guard? So at that point, if someone's willing to give anything for Billy Price, I think you have to take it. And just, you know, Michael Jordan can move over and be your backup center and be your guard. Um, you can Any number of players can be a backup center. Um, for a guy in Trey Hopkins that just played all but one snap this year because he lost his shoe. <laughs> you know, I think I just, I just, and, and there's, and you know what? There's a lot of value in having a really quality backup center. I suppose. I feel like you can find those guys later in the draft, perhaps with a fifth round pick you would get for Billy Price, and not be paying him first round money. Yeah, I mean, you could um, even get a UFA to be a backup center that you don't even need to worry about the draft. And right. I just I, if you can get something for him, so, uh, a starting center in this league is something someone would be willing to pay for. Um, the Jets are picking guys up off the street, and they got Frank Pollock, who knows Billy Price. I mean, you, you get you get into some of these scenarios where perhaps you could ship Billy Price. He's a guy; he's on a rookie contract. You got control over him. He's got potential. I mean, he got beat up by Trey Hopkins, but you know he's played. If you're if you're a team and you had a, a second round evaluation on this guy two years ago, that's something you'd 
you'd be willing to take a, take a shot at, I would think. And that's why I think the Bengals would certainly listen because they've made their intention clear. It's Trey Hopkins is their guy, and the other side's obvious. It'd be different if Billy could step in for you, play guard, back up center, and that you, you can see some value in there. The fact that he's been so bad at guard, you've seen so much bad tape out there, You know that might be what keeps teams from, from offering much for him is because the tape doesn't look good. You know, guys, you see a guy running the wrong way? Yeah. Like, over and over again? I mean, it's tough. Um, and the thing is, too, there, I mean, once again, the Bengals are going to be negotiating from a disadvantaged position where everybody knows they just signed Trey Hopkins. They don't need Billy Price anymore. They're going to get lowballed. And this organization, just they're, they're, they're not willing to overpay for free agents. They're, they're, it's all about value. And if they don't think they're getting proper value – for for Billy Price, they I could see him holding on to him and just he he's he's your backup center. He could even be a backup guard. He's he's not making that much money. Uh, where you know this is an offensive line that that needs depth. They 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 need more more pieces really everywhere. So I could see them hanging on if if they don't get what they think is fair value. And you're right with all with is the tape that's out there. I, I don't know if there's any team, even teams that need a center might try to lowball the Bengals and not give them what they presume to be fair, fair value. Uh, Billy Price's cap number at 3.2 next year, which is somewhere around 15 to 20th on the team, um, but obviously you know, highest amongst rookie contracts outside of Jonah Williams. Um, so there's that. Uh, now we get into uh, another interesting group. And that is, I'm going to just put these two together. And that's Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson III. Mm-hmm. Um, you have one guy in Drake Kirkpatrick who is older. He fits the profile of tradable piece. Or, you know, somebody that you would move on from as you get younger. A guy who's 30. A guy who's making a ton of cash now. A guy who's... Looking at, you know, a deal next year, Drake or Patrick, third highest cap hit on the team at $11.25 million. Now, them just cutting him, uh, it would save him 8.5 mil and leave 2.8 in dead money. So they could just cut him. Yeah. And just, just call it cap savings. But if somebody's looking for a corner, and everybody is, um, and they like what they've seen out of Dre. Um, and he's, you know, as far as covering the last few years, you know, he has been a pretty good cover corner. I, I, he's started in this league for a long time. You know, you're finding somebody who wants to take on that contract. You're finding somebody who's willing to give you something for that contract and a guy who's 30 that can be a tough sell. So maybe you end up where you just say, you know, it's better to just let him go and take that money and put it towards another position. Or maybe you say, you know what, I just need – we at some point someone's got to play this position. And here's what I know. I know that William Jackson the third. You, you've got these two guys in the top five of your cap hits next year. William Jackson on the fifth-year option of 9.6. Drake or Patrick on his 11.25. That's twenty plus million dollars cat put up in a couple of corners that are 
that were not good and that have not been good enough or not not necessarily a fit you know, with what you want. I mean, William Jackson the third, you this guy looked like for sure was going to be a dude that was going to get paid, and he looked so detached this year, so uninterested, so ineffective. He was just a guy, and maybe that's enough on a fifth year option. And, but there's got to be some team that feels like they can get out of him what he was as far as trade value maybe you have more in William Jackson the third who you just if you're if you don't know if you're going to sign him to a long-term deal anyway maybe you get out of here early and maybe you keep Drake or Patrick I, I feel like one of those two guys almost has to be moved on from because of just the situation where you just haven't gotten enough I, I wonder about the the tradability of Dre though, because it's not just eleven two next year, but he, he's got a he's he's under contract for twenty twenty one too at eleven point three. But um, cuttable, but cuttable, but cuttable the, right? The, 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 I mean, the, the dead money on that is minimal. One point four. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about if he's not doing it, he could be an easy an easy dude to get rid of. And I will say this thing? about Dre. I'll say this about Dre. And, and here's here's a here's what was interesting. I mean, Dre said yesterday he basically could have played what the last month probably healthy enough. Yeah, I mean they they shut him down early. Okay, he wasn't happy about I mean, it, and he wasn't happy about it. Clearly, there was a disconnect there between the thought on when Dre should be back, could be back, attitude, whatever it is. Clearly. Or else, why would you, for no reason, we talked all year about how they didn't need to IR A.J. Green because they didn't need this, the roster space. But yet, Drake or Patrick got shut down when he did. For a reason. And he could have come back and played the last two, three, four weeks. They didn't, you know, they're out there playing B.W. Webb on the edge. Getting roasted. Playing out of position. And... They could have had the idea of Drake or Patrick coming back healthy, but they chose to shut him down. Think about that. I think that sh- that that speaks. Look, actions always speak more than words. Yeah. You know, don't don't tell me about your platform. Just show me your budget. That's where we learn the real. And they made that decision, and I think that tells you something. And if there's somebody willing to take him on, or they just feel like. What they can get on the open market for eight point five million in cap savings is better than what they're paying right now for Drake or Patrick. Then they just cut him. Um, but corners are hard to find. But if you want to get younger, I just there's a lot. But that you can't. But you can't get rid of both of those guys. Somebody's got to play. Right. <laughs> and Darius Phillips is fine. And man, he, you know what? I'm all about yeah. like Darius Phillips in the mix, the way he ball hawked. Uh, but he's short. He's thrown over. He's also gotten burnt. The roller coaster is not safe. Like there's, there's a lot of questions at cornerback, probably more than anybody anticipated there being entering this offseason. What's interesting, you talk about corners hard to find. Uh, Dane Brugler for the athletic had his top 50. NFL uh, free agents uh, coming into 2020 and of the top 50 14 of them are corners now actually one wow. is off the market they, the, the Ravens re-signed um, Marcus Peters Marcus Peters yes and uh, 
and actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I did a search for CB, and there's there's some mentions of CBA in there, so it's not quite 14. It's a, it's more close. It's closer to a dozen. But there's yeah. some there's some good corners out there that are going to be available in free agency. Uh, ju- uh, just some of them here: Byron Jones for the Cowboys. He's 27. Um, Peters is off the off the market. He was his next highest. Uh, James Bradbury with the Panthers is 27. Trey Waynes, Darquez's former teammate at Michigan State, uh, he's at the Vikings now. He's 28. Bradley Roby of the Texans is 28. Um, all those guys are in his top 25. So there's there's guys out there if if the Bengals are willing to dip in this year into the free agent pool and and make a change at that position. Um, move on. I, I can't see him moving on from both of those guys, uh, but I. I agree with you. I, I don't think there's any way both are back. One of them is going to be gone elsewhere next year. Yeah, I would. I would think so. I, I would think so. And maybe they're both are gone. But man, um, a guy that we've mentioned in here a lot when we've talked about trades and at the deadline and everything else is Carlos Dunlap. And that was after uh, that sleepwalk through the first half of the season that we saw from Carlos, mm-hmm. who was just a guy looked like a guy in the decline. And one thing I know, um, and I've talked to enough people about, was there was a lot of internal frustration, both amongst players and coaching staff with Carlos Dunlap and effort uh, throughout that first half in particular. And that was apparent. I mean, we talked we talked ad nauseum after that Buffalo game about that absurd huge play in that game where Josh Allen runs for a first down and Carlos is just basically walking after him who could make yes. tackle. And there's so many plays like that in that first half where it just seemed like Carlos didn't want to be here. He didn't care about playing hard. Uh, and it showed. I mean, his numbers were bad. He was completely unproductive. Um, he was just, you know, almost a non-factor game after game. And then the second half, I I think there was, maybe he felt motivated, maybe enough things happened in the locker room that pushed him, or maybe he just got healthy. He claims he got more opportunity and he got healthier. I think there's some other stuff to that too, but I I think Carlos is right. Look, Carlos played like a madman second half of the season. He played great, and at least least more productively. And I'm sure Carlos – is always going to be a guy that you're going to want more from. You're could because Carlos will always be a guy that will give you some games and then take off other games. He's been that his whole career, even when Mike Zimmer was motivating him, when Paul Gunther was with him. You name it, everybody has dealt with that frustration with Carlos because if Carlos was playing at high end energy, you know, like we see from guys like Carl Lawson, or you know other guys across the league that you know the the JJ Watts the these dudes that are renowned for just their high end intensity um, their motors or just right across Sam Hubbard right across Hubbard, the line yeah exactly known for his relentlessness if you saw him play at that level with his skill set he would be unstoppable he would have he would have seasons that where he he'd be up in that sixteen he'd be looking like Chandler Jones productively but he's not it's, he's not. That's not who he is, but I think the second half and what he did might have might have saved his spot here and kept him on board. Otherwise, you know, you could see them looking to move on. I I think that they keep him. I think they're listening 
to somebody in need of an edge rusher that can do what he did in the second half of the season. But I think the fact of how well he played, I think, keeps him here. And they don't yeah. really have – I mean, they've got Hubbard and Lawson. I mean, on the edge. Right. So, you know, you also need depth there and you need some guys that – I mean, they don't they don't have a replacement. And as we record this, uh, Carlos Dunlap was just named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week for the second time in, what, the last month? Last four yeah. or five games? Um, I, I joked with him after the game about – and he's always been motivated by this. And I joked with him after the game about he almost got us a, a, a Christmas present by getting to that 10th sack. He finished with nine. And if he had gotten to 10, uh, Gino said he was going to talk. And, and I asked, asked Carlos about that. He, he said he, he kind of gave Gino a little bit of a shy at him a little bit before the game. He said he never said anything during the game to Gino about getting close, but, he he said he was more motivated by Eddie Edwards and Carlos has always wanted that he's always wanted the the team record for sacks and he leaves this year too shy of that number he's at 81.5 for his career Eddie Edwards numbers 83.5 um so yeah it's not his decision obviously but he that's always been important to him and i, I think that was part of what kind of he once he had that first big game that kind of drove him to think hey that that's in reach this year I can get that this year um, so that that's another little carrot that's going to be hanging out there for him next year and you know who knows if if they if they can start next year well and and he they're they're winning some games maybe maybe the effort ratches up a little bit and and we see the Carlos that that they've been looking for. All these see them on a consistent basis, the way they've been looking for all this time. At a certain point, it's on the staff and the organization to motivate the guy too. I mean, it goes both yeah. ways. I mean, you've got to keep these guys engaged, and you know, you, you know, if if you know that's what you can get out of him, and you don't have a replacement for that, then your job is to find a way to get that out of him. Now, if you can get something, if you can get a a two or something like that or a three for Carlos Dunlap in that contract and then sure you're listening you're 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 interested in that cuz you can maybe draft his replacement um but um if you can't then you've got to coach that up all right i'm going to take a quick break in the show and we're going to talk a little bit about a tough topic and that is look talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually you just brush it off or you blame yourself with things like oh, i lost my mojo or i'm just not feeling it with Roman, you can get free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Doctor works with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman ships it to you with free two-day shipping. It's straightforward, it's simple, it's discreet. And getting started simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash growlin and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today, connect with the doctor, and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Growlin to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Growlin for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Growlin. Let's get into Joe Mixon. Um, and we have a little bit of audio of him from Monday talking about his contract. And, um, look, let me just say this bluntly right off the jump. Joe Mixon's going to hold out. Okay. 
I'll say it again. Joe Mixon's going to hold out. Joe Mixon, everybody, everybody's aware of this. Everybody in the building knows that Joe Mixon is ready to hold out. A lot of people don't know Joe Mixon tried to hold out last year, <laughs> and then didn't. Re- then, then was kind of told he couldn't. He didn't show up for the first day of OTAs of off season, thinking that he's going to hold out. He was ready, and then they're like, ah. so there was some miscommunication. Like you, you, you know, you're you're early, Joe. Yes, he's ready. Okay, so that's coming. We know that's coming. But the question being, will they pay that guy? Boy, did he leave that emphatic statement on whether they should pay him or not on Sunday. And the way he ran in the second half of the season, if there is a guy that you're going to pay at the running back position, you know, the energy that he has brought and the, you know, the power he has brought to this team, you can certainly see the value in it. It's just a matter if you're willing to pay a running back. Now, all that said, let's hear from Joe Mixon. Based on what you've done the last couple of years and what you've shown this team, how much would you like to get an extension done? And not I mean, have to go into that free agency year. I mean, at the end of the day, man, I I want to be a Bengal for life, and um, you know, I ain't really thought too much into an extension. Um, you know, right now is definitely the time to start getting into it. Uh, I don't know much about the free or not the free agent part, but the extension part. Um, you know, I just gotta go in and you know. Hopefully, you know, we work something out and, you know, I just, you know, wish for the best. I mean, the ball in their court, not mine. I was saying, well, how much do you think you've proven to them that the ball is kind of in their court? I mean, I, I, I mean, I just hope I put up enough tape for them, you know, to believe in me, to, you know, want me back. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know their thought process. If I did, I mean, I'd love to, but I don't. So. All right, Tony. So at the end of the day, man, no matter what happened, I mean, I know I gave my all out there. I know what kind of back I am, and uh, I hope they know. So, I mean, we're going to see, man. Um, I don't know nothing about you know, logistics or anything like that, but we're going to see. AJ said if, if they were to tag him with a one-year deal that he would not be here for OTAs, he couldn't take that risk. Yeah. Are you of that same mindset? That, of what? Of not participating in the off-season work unless there is a new deal? Um, right now, honestly, I don't know. Um, you know I just got to talk it over with my agent. Um, you know, I would love to be here and work with the – you know, with the team, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm all, I've always been all about the team. But uh, if it comes to a point where I mean, I got to think about me. I mean, that's just what's gonna have to happen. But you know, I, like I said, I hope the best, and you know, I hope we work something out. Uh, like I said, I don't, I, I haven't really thought that stuff over. But um, I will go talk with my agent, have a talk with him, and. You know, that's what I pay him for, you know, to talk to the upstairs people for that. You know, that's, like I said, the ball in their court. I'm not pressed over no contract, none of that. Uh, at the end of the day, I just got to, like I said, continue to be me and, you know, hope for the best. Um, like I said, ball in their court. I don't, I don't know. Is, is holding out different from the linebacks and other positions because of how much, you know, the toll the position takes on you? I mean, I don't know. I've always been a, a guy that worked hard. You know, I ain't never really, like I said, I ain't never been in this position, man. So I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about not being around the team and then, you know, having to just jump back right into the team and get right into the swing of things. I don't know how that, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how that shit worked. And, you know, I got friends that didn't did it, but I don't, I don't, I don't ask them about their personal business. 
that's their business. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I just try to, you know, focus on me. But now that, you know, it's coming up to be my turn, um, you know, I'm here for the experience. And at the same time, uh, like I said, I'm going to lean on my agent and what, you know, he thinks is what he thinks is best. Um, I want to be back. I'm sure they want me back. I'm sure the fans want me back. But, um, I mean, I just, at the end of the day, the ball is in their court. I can't, I can't control nothing that they do, man. So, uh, like I said, I, I pay my agent for that type of stuff, for him to take care of it. And we'll have, I'm sure we'll have conversation about it. So we're going to see. Jay, let me ask you this. What's, what's your take on, on mixing? Like, how would you, would you, would you do it? Would you pay that guy? I mean, because we're talking a lot of money. You're talking. You're gonna have to end up somewhere in the. You know, they're gonna have some. You're gonna have some guys that are gonna sign. The McCaffreys of the world are gonna resign. They're gonna set a big market, big number. Are you gonna pay Joe Mixon? I would. Uh, philosophically, you say no that you, you don't give huge second contracts to running backs. But for for Mixon, I would just based on what what he's proven and where this roster is it's it it's not a lot the part of the reason you're not going to give the big money to the running back is because it's better spent elsewhere but you don't have anywhere else to spend it i mean yeah andy or i mean i'm sorry aj you you, if he gets a long-term deal but you're gonna be taking money off the books more so than you're gonna be adding it this offseason so i do I, i i think there's i think he's Everything that Zach is looking for, um, he brings that energy. He brings it in practice. He brings it in games. He's he's a young guy that you can build around. He is. You're right. He's going to hold out, and, and and this is this is a me off season for Joe Mixon. But that's that's not who he is at his core. He I, I really believe he is a team guy. That he loves his teammates. He loves the team. He he plays for them as much as he plays for himself. And I I think he would be an important piece to keep. Uh, moving forward, he is a great candidate for a Bengals structure contract, where you know what they give him a crap load of money up front in exchange for some nice structure on the back end, like we've seen in a lot of these deals that we've been talking about today. Drake or Patrick, Andy Dalton, Carlos's deal will be like that. Uh, th- these deals where in the back end is minimal hit. Uh, but there's a lot of money up front. Maybe not as much guarantees because you know they don't do that. But a lot of money up front. And here, here's here's where I am swayed on it. And because the reason you're not going to pay a running back is because of the wear and tear, right? Um, and, and that they are going to go downhill. Well, you know, Joe is doesn't have as much wear and tear on him. You know, and. I think Zach Taylor's window, like Joe's twenty three, you he's got he definitely I you can feel confident he's got two more good years in him until you see the trend that happens across the league. You start getting twenty six, twenty seven, you start to see issues. I mean, it only takes one injury to a running back, and that's part of the problem. You end up with Todd Gurley, David Johnson. You know, you go down the line. These guys they get hurt and they're not the same, um, but. You can get him for his age 24 and age 25 season. You pay him a lot of money, but you're willing to pay for that if he's really good. And 
Then you have some good structure to potentially get you out of it on the back end. Maybe you have to overpay a little bit on the front end. But Zach Taylor's window, if you're bringing in Joe Burrow and you're reforming the roster this year, 2021-2022 is probably where the Zach Taylor vision hits its peak. That's when they hope to be the 49ers, like Kyle Shanahan. That's when you feel like you've got it fully formed. Well, do you want Joe Mixon here for that or not? Um, and I, I think he does. And so for that reason, everything you were saying, I'm, I, I think that you probably do find a way to get that done. Here's, here's the vision though that we're all, that I just can't get past. Hey, we drafted Joe Burrow. Welcome, Joe. Hey, yeah, let's off season begins. Let's start teaching you everything. Uh, yeah, your number one receiver and your running back. Yeah, they're not here. We don't know when they're going to get here. So just trust me. You may see him before opening day. You may not, but you may see him before opening day and just make sure you say hello to him before the opener. Right? Like the, it's just, you can just see it coming. You can uh, see yeah. it. It's like, don't bangle this. You know, but you know, we know how it goes. So w- potentially that's how it ends up. I, so will they pay him? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But I, I think that's, it's, it's a fascinating case. And I can tell you this, we won't see Joe Mixon until they do or until like, you know, week one, two or three, like Melvin Gordon, what Melvin Gordon held out through the first two games and showed up. So. What's funny about what you said about Joe trying to hold out in that conversation in the locker room when he said, I don't know how any of this works. This is my first time going through it. I mean, he was, he was honest. He doesn't know how it works. He really uh, what he was not What he was not honest about is saying that he hasn't talked to anybody else about it because you know he has friends that have gone through this, and he has absolutely talked to them, um, other running backs, uh, about the, the holding out process. And the one thing I don't worry about with Joe Mixon that you worry about with a lot of guys that you pay is is how they'll react, how they'll play once they get money. Um, you know, Cordy Glenn syndrome. Um, I do not worry about that with Joe Mixon. No, <laughs> that, he's that still going to be looking to truck people. Yeah, he loves man. That dude loves some football. He loves football. That's for sure. Um, all right, we're getting towards the end here. Let's just kind of. Um, it's a lot. We did that. We we really covered a lot of ground. We la- we talked to you about the core last week. Um, we don't, you know, we can get into free agents they can go for. Let's just let's just let's not get into specific players. We can a little bit, but let's just talk about positions. Here's my feeling and understanding, and where I think the focus will be as far as approach to free agency. I think you will see them try to clear out some more money. They have a lot of money, a lot coming off the books. Obviously, you're going to get, you're basically going to get 17 million in space from letting Andy go. You're going to get 10 million in space from Cordy Glenn going. You're going to get probably another 10 to 15 from whatever they decide to do, whether it be with Drake or Patrick, William Jackson, or whoever. It's a lot of money that they're just getting, that they're clearing the decks for on top of what they already have in space, which is pretty significant. So you've got a lot of room to go out there and work and, and make something happen. And I, I think they really want to, they feel the same way that fans have been yelling about and we've been talking about on here. Stop being average on the offensive line or below average, satisfying, being satisfied with average. Go after the offensive line. 
and try to be really good. And I think they've – when I wrote the running game story, the problem with the scheme and the problem with their running game was they weren't able to impose their will on anybody. It, and that was sort of the theme of it. And they had to find a different way to make the running game work. So you saw the tosses and the stretches and using their athleticism more because they just can't push people around. It's not who they are. They don't have that personnel. Well, they still want to be that. I mean, if you can do both, it's even better. So what they need – is some people that can push some people around. Now, Jonah Williams, you think, is going to be able to do that. Trey Hopkins, you like to be able to do enough of that and do the other stuff. I think there's a lot of positive momentum with how Michael Jordan played when he came back the second half. What he can be next year can be a guy that can push people around. I go to that. How about the uh, touchdown run by Mixon? You saw Michael Jordan going crazy afterwards. The first mm-hmm. touchdown run by Mixon. You know why? <laughs> because he just moved Larry O. I'm making my butcher's name. Larry O. In the middle yeah. <laughs> for the Browns. He moved him about five yards into the into the end zone for the touchdown. Michael Jordan can be that guy. He needs some refinement, but he'll be in his second year. You hope you see that step from him. That leaves the right side. And that leaves John Miller, who's kind of just a guy. Another bad free agent signing. And... Obviously, Bobby Hart, another bad free agent signing. Now, I I think that they're going to try to aggressively go after the guard position and try to find someone that can be a real difference maker at guard and put him in there. And then, you know, just tackles maybe are more expensive. Finding that a replacement's more expensive. Maybe it's Fred Johnson. I mean. He's a big old boy. <laughs> he certainly looks like someone that could move people. Uh, he did move people. These, I mean, he played most of that whole second half against Miami. He played the whole game against Cleveland, and there were there were some plays where he now he he got thrown a couple times, but it was more of a, a not getting manhandled, just kind of loosening his footing. But he was he was plowing the way for some of those mix and runs, and and he's so he's still so young. I mean, undrafted rookie. Uh, I, I remember when the the Bengals picked him up, that, that Mark Caboli, who covers the Steelers for us in Pittsburgh, said that was a mistake to let that guy go, and he's he's shown something. He he can play tackle or guard, and and I do think he can he can either beat out Bobby Hart for right tackle, or he could he could beat out John Miller for right guard. He'll have the chance to do that. Um, I think they they really did like. It's a small sample size, obviously, but. Uh, I do think they like what they've seen from him in the last game and a half. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it, and um, he's just and he is a physical specimen. If you see him come into his own, his flexibility is great. Like you mentioned, being able to play tackle and guard, and you know he he was a guard coming out. That's how he was viewed as a guard, even though he played some tackle uh, in college. And you know what? Just like Trey Hopkins, right? So, like, so sometimes you put a guy into a position, a little different position, and then you find something in him. And maybe they found something in Fred Johnson, but I, I could see them bringing in a high end guard to play right guard. You know, I, I point to Brandon Scherf, who's maybe the most notable free agent guard on the market. That you could bring in, um, and then putting Bobby Hart in a battle with Fred Johnson. Um, if you can't go get a better tackle than that, or maybe maybe you're Bobby Hart's in a battle with Fred Johnson, and you draft a tackle. It with the third, your third rounder or something like that, you know, somebody like uh, Orlando Brown from a few years ago was a third round pick. I mean, somebody like that that you can 
you know, try to develop into a guy of the future, think is going to be a guy of the future, but for now can, you know, you see how he comes in and just have that mix. And I think you feel better then. And, and I, you know, it does feel better when you throw in Jonah Williams and, and if you had a high, you know, you can feel really confident about almost every spot. I mean, you're putting a lot on Michael Jordan to take a step, but I do think you, Michael Jordan has played better. He has looked more comfortable. It's hard to come in and play as a rookie. It is. And he's a you kid. Know, I mean, he's he going to get kid. much bigger and stronger in this offseason. Um, he, he, that, that's the thing that people forget is, is how young he is. And you mentioned Brandon Scherf. If, if they can't get him, there's two other interesting guards out there that are really good guards that are going to be free agents. And if, if Bengal fans want to kind of keep an eye on these guys, they're both in the playoffs. Um, Andres Pete with the Saints is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And then the really interesting one for me um, – Coming from the Date Daily News before I got to the Athletic, uh, a guy that I wrote quite a bit about, Joe Tooney uh, is with the Patriots. He started every game for the Patriots at guard since they drafted him in the second round. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, he, along with Trey Hopkins, were one of uh, two offensive linemen this year that played more than a thousand snaps with one or fewer penalties. Uh, he that that's a guy that I I really think could be a difference maker here. Now, maybe the Patriots re-sign him. Well, the same thing with the Saints and Pete. and the, I don't know about the Redskins. They might be moving on from Scherf. But those are three guys out there. Two of them you can kind of watch in the playoffs and and just get a, a glimpse of, of how solid they are. And you want guys that have played in big games, have played in quality yes. organizations, that, that bring that understanding. The one thing that they want more than anything else is they want to bring guys in that, know how to act like pros and be pros and do everything the right way. And when you come from New England and you started every single game that you were drafted, you were doing things the right way because they don't tolerate anything but that. So you're right. I mean, a guy like that, you're right. It all makes it. That's the direction that I think you see them go and look for someone who's a great player, does it the right way, can be an example for everybody in that room, and on offense, and, and and be a core piece. You know, if you're going to spend, you want that guy to check every box, and maybe that's the direction they go. Those are a few examples of guys that could be out there, I guess. But I think it, if you fix the off, let's just let's just play this out. Let's just play this out. They fix the. Let's just say Joe Tooney, or sure for any of those three guys you mentioned, and you now have Jonah Williams, Michael Jordan. You feel comfortable about Trey Hopkins, Joe Tooney. Bobby, Fred Johnson, C.J. Uzama, Drew Sample, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, probably a draft pick, Auden Tate, John Ross as your gadget player, who, or if he's still here. I don't know if he'll still be here or not. Um, Joe Mixon. Look, <laughs> I mean, there's potential, there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot, and, and, and Joe Burrow. Sorry, I forgot to mention. I, I take it for granted now at this point. And, <laughs> and you've got weapons around Joe Burrow. There's a lot of potential there. I mean, that's something that you can really build around. Can they make that happen? Can they make all those names we just listed happen? Or will they screw it up? There's a whole lot of landmines out there. <laughs> and... Your reputation precedes you. 
So that's the question of this offseason. And that's just the offense. Right. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into if they'll ever have a good linebacker here. I mean, that's that. the position I have is the most – I mean, yes, a guard would be almost more of a – you hate to say it because the offensive line has been so bad, but it, it, the guard seems more of a luxury. Linebacker seems like a need. That seems like that has to be the number one position they have to address in free agency because they haven't got it done in the draft. They've tried year after year after year to to try to kind of steal a gym in the third round, and it hasn't paid off yet. Um that this is the year they, they need to break trend, go out, get a, a, a first-day free agent linebacker, and a, like you said, a guy that's won before, a, a, a pro that's going to come in here and be a leader on that defense day one. And put him next to Jermaine Pratt, who might be making his turn. He really you know? did turn around. Yeah, we, we talk about Vigil getting better, but Pratt really got better as the season went on, and he he had some really flash plays in that in that Cleveland game on Sunday. Um, I, I do think I, I said they missed on the all these third round picks. He was a third round pick this year. Uh, I'm not I'm not putting him down as a miss by any means. I, I you certainly feel better about future. him than you did about Malik Jefferson at this time last year, or PJ hey, Dawson, or, BJ, yeah, or Nick Vigil after his yes. first year. Yes, no, you're 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 exactly right. So there's some hope. I, we you know let's who. We, we, we could do another hour. We haven't even gotten into anything we really want. I mean, I could do. We could do. There's a. It's a long off season, Jay. It is. <laughs> there's a lot of time to get to get to all this stuff, and all this stuff is is being evaluated. Let's real quickly before we get out, um, jump into the stat. Jay's got stats and play run pass or boot real quick. Uh, you've got stats. Uh, what do you got on stats? Yeah, I posted this on Twitter on uh, late last night, late Monday night, um, looking at games 9 through 16, so second half of the season. This isn't weeks. This is games. So it's every player's final eight games of the year. The NFL rushing leaders, Joe Mixon was second in the NFL with 817 yards. Uh, Nick Chubb was third at 691. Joe was well above him. Now, Derrick Henry was far and away. He, Derrick Henry had that great Week 17 game, won the rushing title. Derrick Henry had nine, 959 yards just in the final nine games, averaged 6.3 a carry. Uh, and if we are talking yards per carry, uh, Joe was at 4.62 over the the, final, the second half of the season, which was 11th best in the league, um, a, a pretty good number there. So, you know, we talked about it quite a bit, that the way they ripped up the run game and, and just that number right there. It, it shows that this offense is moving in the right direction, and it shows also that why Mixon can be such an important piece to to go ahead and, and bite the bullet and give him a second contract. Yep. Um, another area of improvement um, that we sort of were tracking was red zone, right? Last three games. Yes. Last three games we saw the red zone take a step. Last three games, Bengals 10 red zone trips. Since that fourth and goal quarterback sneak where Andy Dalton got stopped, they had ten, excuse me, ten red zone trips since then and scored on seven of them, seventy percent, which was almost double what they had the rest of the the, the rest of the season leading up to that. Um, four out of five possessions against the Browns in Week 17, they scored touchdowns. So. 
there's another area where you see things kind of starting to turn and, and, and Zach Taylor kind of figuring things out uh, with his play selection down there. A big part of that was off-schedule scores. I mean, that's so mm-hmm. much a part of what the red zone is. And what did we see? We saw Andy Dalton scrambling uh, a couple of times, saw, you know, running, get it, finding a guy. I mean, it's, you've got to be able to find ways to score when down there when it's not schemed open. I mean, you can scheme some stuff open. You can. But a lot of it is just improvising and finding a way. And that has never really been Andy Dalton's strength. And that, I think you believe, when you see the way he played and the instincts he had in the pocket and extending plays in college, would be something that you feel like you're definitely getting in Joe Burrow. So another part of sort of the next step in, in what you think you can get with your with your rookie quarterback, number one overall. Uh, let's play and run complimentary football. Yeah. I was yes. going to say, and complimentary football because Darius Phillips had that interception, returned it to the three. Uh, that was... Since the Oakland game, that was just the second possession the Bengals had that started in opponent's territory. Wow. And the, it might have been the first all year that started in the red zone. So that, that, that was a, a big part of it as well. But yes, run passer boot time. Yeah, run passer boot. What do you got? All right. Run passer boot. Bengals trades before they make their first pick in the draft. So this even includes first night of the draft if they, if they trade down and how many trades will they make? before they take their first player in the NFL draft? Zero, one or two, or three or more? All right, I am going to boot zero because yeah. uh, they'll definitely trade somebody. I mean, pro- Dalton, I think, feels like almost like a cinch. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is if I go to three or more. I'm going to say I'm going to run with one to two. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I one run with one to two and pass on three or more, but I, that's a coin flip to me. I think you'll see I, it's two or three is probably probably where I think that lies. I'll just say two, knowing their past history of being tough trade partners, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> um, and, and so I'll take the under just because of history, but I do think there's a potential, easy potential. To, to rip off three or more. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. It, I should have looked this up before we did. I don't think they've ever made three trades in a year, um, let alone in an off season. Uh, but if ever there was a time to step out of your comfort zone and do something different, this is it. So, but I still, yeah, one or two is the most likely I would run with that, uh, pass on three or more, and then yeah, boot, boot zero. Uh, even if it's not Andy, it'll be someone else. There, there will be at least one trade before the draft. No doubt. Uh, all right. Uh, first of all, shout out to our guy Stan, winner of the Bengals Growler bet. I am Stan. Stan is my guy. Stan likes Everton. He likes Survivor. He's a Bengals fan, so he's been the listener since way, way back in the day, and now he's gonna like drinking a Growler of Fifty West. Uh, as he hit. Our growler bet right on the nose with 11 plays between Joe Mixon's run to go over a thousand and Tyler Boyd going over a thousand. Uh, so congrats to Stan. We'll hit you up on Twitter and we'll uh, arrange that growler bet. Uh, and, uh, that about wraps it up, Jay. Whew. Uh, off season one a week for the podcast, just so everybody knows. Um, we'll, we'll keep coming. We, we'll keep coming to you, uh, once every week. 
Uh, Senior Bowl is only a couple of weeks away. We expect the team to be coaching down there. Uh, of course, we on the scene. Uh, so lots to come, but we'll you know we'll be back next week. Obviously, we left a lot on the table we didn't get to, so we'll get to yeah. we'll get to more. And there'll be you know they have this kind of week. There might be some news this week, I would think, um, potentially on who's going to be back. Make sure all the coaches are back or whatever um, stuff like that. So keep it locked. We'll keep you in on everything that's going on throughout the off season. If you get a chance, if you're listening to this uh, before the thirty first, uh, and you're not a subscriber. Um, We've got a 50% off deal going. Uh, just check on tw- on our Twitter feed. You can see it. Um, if you want to become a subscriber, it's only like three bucks a three bucks a month. That's it. One you can beer. Have all this, all this more. One beer. If that, I mean, a cheap beer. That's like a PBR. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, thanks to everybody for listening to hear that podcast growling. Hope you all have a happy new year. Drink water. Take Advil to cure your hangovers. And we'll talk to you on the flip side. Have a good one, everybody.